This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Hey, good morning. Did you guys catch all that? Right? Do you wish you could uh, just uh, doodle like that and make everything look so uh, put together and perfect? Uh, I know that was a lot of information, but uh, like Daniel said, we're in the book of Philippians uh, this summer. And it's a really helpful just kind of moment to pause and and look, uh, zoom out and kind of look at the story at a really high level really quickly and kind of see how everything fits together. Also, if you haven't already opened up your uh, program, You can see that same picture there, uh, and we're going to kind of maybe refer back to that, not today, but in the next couple of weeks, kind of to help us see where we're at uh, in the book of Philippians. Uh, So uh, with that, uh, let me just uh, share. My name is Joe Merrick. I am the lead pastor here at Journey, and I'm so excited that you are here with us this morning. Uh, We're so thankful for you being here. I want to encourage everybody to reach into the seat back in front of them. There you're going to find a connect card. Uh, And on that connect card, uh, there's all kinds of information. You can put uh, uh, name, address, um, contact information. If you're new, we would love uh, to send you a thank you for being here uh, in the mail this week. But also, um, prayer requests, decisions you've made, other things that you want us to know uh, can go on that connect card. And then if you just would take a couple of moments this morning to fill that out, and then you drop it in the offering bag at the end of our time together, um, you, can, you can do that or drop it in some of the baskets as you exit uh, today. With that, let me just pray for us and then we'll jump in. Dear God, uh, this morning we've already seen uh, some of the book of Philippians. We have uh, sung your praises. We, we sing about rejoicing in you, Lord. Help us to be able to do that. Fill that in our hearts and in our lives, just that ability to rejoice in you, in all the things that you are doing around us. Lord, we sang that all we need is you. God, we just ask that you uh, are in this time, you open our hearts and our minds uh, to what you want us to learn today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, like we said already, we're in the uh, book of Philippians, and uh, in the summers here at Journey, one of the things we like to do is we like to pause and and take kind of a longer look at some section of Scripture. We've done a variety of different things. We've uh, kind of looked at the Old Testament as a whole, kind of the major stories, the Old Testament, the major stories of the New Testament. We went through the life of David. We've done a number of different things. This summer, we're going to take one of Paul's letters his letter to the church at Philippi, and we're just going to kind of dive into that. And we already saw the video this morning, and uh, we're going to spend the next uh, nine weeks uh, looking at the book of Philippians. And we do that for a couple of reasons. Um, When we slow down, we're able to dive a little deeper. We're able to get into some more of what's happening. Uh, And also, one of the things we, one of the reasons we do that is because um, it's more about than just Sunday mornings. We want to also encourage everybody to join us in our summer 
reading plan. Um, and uh, a couple of ways that you can join in with that. Uh, this year, we're going to do it on the Version Bible app. If you're already signed up for that, great. If not, you'll just have to, uh, it's a free app that you can sign up for. And um, there are a couple of ways we can get involved in that. But what's neat about uh, uh, doing it through the app is we're able to do it as a conversation as a church. So you can read that day's uh, text, you can read the little devotional material that's there, and then you can comment and people can respond. Uh, and, and so we will hope to create a conversation, an ongoing conversation uh, that is not only about Sundays, but about what we're learning in the book of Philippians. And so a couple of ways uh, you could find out about that. Number one, uh, uh, you could find the link in the Friday email. And so if you already had that, you could click on that link uh, and get the, um, the uh, application, the link there, uh, and sign up. That's the word I was looking at. You get signed up through the link. Uh, second, if you open up your program uh, in there, it is listed um, the link for the where you could find that cincyjourney.org backslash summer. If you just went to cincyjourney.org and you found the summer button, you could click on that. It would be there. If all those things don't work for you, if they're too complicated, uh, email me, joe at cincyjourney. We really want you to participate. I will try and help you uh, get, make sure you get that link and can get signed up. Some of you already started. We talked about that last week. Thank you for that. Uh, others of you noticed that uh, we had a start date of tomorrow. And so we're really going to try and start this journey of reading through scripture together as a church tomorrow. So we hope that maybe you can get signed up today and get going uh, tomorrow. And, you know, um, we, we do this each summer because we want to dive deeper into some scripture. We want to do uh, maybe a different series than a parenting series or some of the other series that we have done throughout the year and just focus in on some scripture. But we also do this because uh, again and again, when the people who study uh, what the leading indicators are in someone's life who's really growing in their faith, one that they always point to, the one at the top of the list is personal Bible reading. That means you, me, sitting down with the Bible, sitting down with the app opening and reading some scripture and asking, okay, God, what do you have to say to me in this moment? And it doesn't mean you have to read chapters and chapters. It, it, it means you need to find some time. Find some time where you're setting this special time apart, setting this time apart and saying, okay, God, speak to me. And we want to encourage everybody to do that. We want to be a church full of people who are uh, reading Scripture. And, and so in the summer, sometimes we just need a reset button. We all go on vacation, we've got family reunions, and we have this opportunity uh, to, to work through this group of Scripture uh, together and kind of all get back on the same page with the book of Philippians this summer. So hopefully uh, you're convinced uh, you're going to uh, get that application, you're going to uh, get signed up and go on this journey with us. Last week, uh, we had the privilege of having the kids in here with us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had baptisms and child dedication, and it was just great to have everybody together to worship together as a family. And the kids in the kids' talk, they uh, helped me kind of go through some of the introductory stuff 
about what's behind the book of Philippians and a little bit into the first chapter. And so today, we're going to continue that work. We're going to stay in chapter 1 of Philippians. And this morning, if you're following along, we're going to have the uh, verses behind me. We're going to be in 12 through 18. I'm not going to quite go through this verse by verse, but section by section. We're going to start here with 12 through 14. I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation. So this is verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 1. Here's what it says. Now, I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me, he's talking about his imprisonment here, it has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, all the guards who are guarding me, they know, and to everyone else, that I am in chains, not for myself, he says, but for Christ. And then verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord... Uh, the people around him in Rome, uh, the, the Christians in Rome, they have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. So what's happening here, it, it's interesting. It's important to remember, as we've said already, that what we call a book is a letter. It's a letter that Paul writes from uh, jail here in Rome to this uh, place called Philippi. And and he's writing them, and and the church at Philippi, uh, for who he's writing to, they're concerned with Paul's well-being. They want to know how he's doing. As we talked about last week, they send Epaphroditus, uh, they send him with money, and they send him uh, uh, there to help Paul in whatever way he can. And and so they're really concerned about his well-being. But Paul, uh, Paul, that's not what's on top of his mind. On top of this letter comes back from Paul to the uh, people in Philippi, and it gets read out loud for the first time. Everybody's gathered together like this, and it it gets read to them. And the first question on their minds is, oh, yeah, how is Paul doing? Is he being treated well? Uh, How bad is the prison? Are they hurting him? What kind of chains is he in? They want to know how he's doing, but Paul doesn't care about those things. He's not worried about it. He shows little concern for himself. He doesn't tell him, uh, doesn't tell them how his health is or how he's being treated. Paul immediately jumps. He jumps to what he sees as infinitely more important than how he's doing. He begins to talk about the gospel and how it's being advanced, the message of Jesus. And already reports must have come as a bit of surprise, right? Uh, He says, basically, you would think that my imprisonment would slow down the growth of the message of Jesus, but rather it's actually increased. It's gotten greater, he says. And he goes to outline different ways that it has. He says, these guards that are all around me, these palace guards, all of them are aware that I am no ordinary prisoner. I'm no ordinary prisoner. My suffering is for Christ, not for something I have done. Paul doesn't say here that the, uh, all the guards are converted, but, but he's counting kind of this, um, the, this, 
that he has earned their respect, that he's had multiple opportunities to share the gospel with them. He's counting all of that as a win. He's saying this is a major win. And then he goes on, he says, not only that, not only do the guards know about Jesus, not only only are they hearing about Jesus because of my imprisonment, but believers around me, people in the church in Rome, Christians, they were once kind of timid. They didn't talk a lot about their faith. They were kind of nervous. And rather than be more timid, now they're being more courageous. They're actually sharing their faith with people more now than they were before. And Paul is rejoicing in this. He's rejoicing in it. And he says, the bottom line is this. In verses 12 through 14, his imprisonment surprisingly has caused the gospel to progress, to grow. That's what he is uh, concerned with. And, that's, and, and that, he says, is far more important, far more important than what is happening to me, than my circumstances. Next we see verses 15 through 18. It says this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter, they do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me when I am in chains. Then verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And he repeats it. Yes, and I will continue, continue to rejoice. This... uh, This section of Scripture, it continues on the message that Paul's trying to bring in in the first section, but it kind of takes this turn. Paul's talking about the advancement of the gospel despite his imprisonment. But it takes on, he, he also takes on some concerns that are being brought to his attention. Somebody has come and reported to him, probably Epaphroditus, that there are some people in Philippi, some believers in Philippi, who don't like him very much. They don't like him. And they're using his imprisonment as this moment to say, see, you don't have to listen to Paul. He doesn't really know what he's talking about here. Don't don't, uh, pay attention to him. Listen to us. He contrasts, he, he kind of calls these two different groups, uh, rivals and friends. Uh, I, I kind of pulled some of these things out so we could see uh, what Paul uh, talks about in here. So his friends, they preach Christ, but so also do his rivals. That's what they have in common. But his friends, they do it out of goodwill. His rivals, they do it out of envy, jealousy, rivalry. His friends, they 
teach Christ. They preach Christ in love, but Paul's rivals, they do it from selfishness. Uh, His friends, they do it knowing. His rivals, they're guessing, they're supposing they can make trouble for him. His friends, they know him. They know he is advancing the gospel. See, he's he's being really careful here to contrast these two groups. What we see here in the opening of Philippians is things weren't always as clear and straightforward in this early church as sometimes we like to think. There were some major divisions. And this really isn't even a major division for Paul. He calls the rivals out. He he says, you know, hey... um, Uh, they have the wrong motives. But he doesn't say that they're false prophets like he does in other places in Scripture. In other places in Galatians, in Corinthians, in those churches, there were false prophets. And he, he addresses them, people who were teaching, not just against him, Paul, but against Jesus. Perhaps what's most surprising in this section here is Paul's response. Paul's response to all of this. He says uh, he's not excited about them. He's not thrilled with these rivals. But ultimately, what does it matter? What does it matter if they don't like me? If they're degrading my name because they're, uh, they're still telling people about Jesus. He says, that's the primary thing. I'm going to count that as a win, Paul says. What we see happening in these two sections of Scripture, what we see happening here is Paul, he is clearly identifying his priorities He's saying, nothing is more important to me than the gospel and its advancement. My imprisonment, my discomfort, that doesn't really matter. Let's push that to the side. What matters is that Jesus and his name is getting amplified. People are hearing about him. The prison guards, they're hearing about Jesus. The uh, Christians around me in Rome, they're becoming more bold. He says these people back in Philippi who are, uh, are disrupting and, and they're saying bad things about me, I can deal with that. I can deal with them not liking me as long as they're telling people about Jesus, as long as his name is being elevated, it doesn't matter what happens to mine. My reputation's a distant second, Paul says, to that of Jesus So Paul says, that's my priority. That's my priority in life. So what can we learn today from these uh, words from Paul? I think there's probably several lessons, several lessons for us in these. And probably the primary one is this first one. Paul teaches us. Then when hardships come, when difficulties come into our life, when those things happen, we should look to his example. And his example is this. No matter what's happening to me, 
I'm, I'm looking, I'm sticking my head up, I'm looking for how God is at work in my life and in those around me. That's his focus, his priority. That's certainly kind of the first lesson Paul wants to teach here to the Philippians, right in the beginning of chapter 1. And this is a lesson the Philippians, they would have immediately gravitated to because, uh, remember, the Philippians, they are facing daily persecution. They need this example. Application for us here in the Midwest of America might not be as quick, but it's still a valuable lesson, a valuable lesson. When life gets hard, it's helpful to remember people like Paul. People like Paul who faced persecution in his instance and they didn't melt into self-pity. They didn't uh, become bitter. He immediately began looking for how God was working in him and in others. It's quite a different perspective than so often we have. So Paul's one example of this. He's one example of this. Can you think of another one? Can you think of uh, someone maybe in your life who faced difficulty, hardship, maybe uh, a persecution, and they rose above it? They, they, they didn't uh, wither into kind of just uh, being bitter and hurt and, and jealous. But they, they rose up and they actually grew in their faith, became stronger in their faith. Maybe if a name doesn't come immediately to your mind today, you can take that as an action item this week. What's another example? Paul is this great example here. And there's all kinds of examples in church history. There's all kinds of examples uh, uh, today, especially in foreign parts of the world where Christians are being persecuted and they're standing up, they're coming out of it, they're rising up with faith and courage. And we need to have those examples kind of in our minds. We need to be familiar with them so that when our own difficulties come, when our own uh, persecutions come, when our own challenges come, we have this example of people who didn't wither, who didn't just kind of melt into bitterness and self-pity, but they grew in courage and faith. So Paul's an example of this. I challenge you this week to find another example from your own life. That's the best kind from church history. Uh, it's, there's all kinds of examples of this. And from the modern world, people who are facing persecution in far parts of the globe and doing so with courage and faith. Second kind of lesson I think we can uh, learn from what we discovered from Paul's first part of his letter here. As, as I described earlier, the Philippians, they had, they had sent money and they'd sent this helper, Epaphroditus, uh, because they're worried about Paul's well-being. 
They're worried that he's not being treated well. They, they want to help, and Paul isn't concerned with that. He's not concerned with his own well-being. He's concerned with the advancement of the gospel, and that serves as a reminder of this lesson. God often works through our adverse circumstances rather than in spite of them. God works through our adversities rather than in spite of them. We tend to hold up the strong, uh, the, the successful parts of our life, and we hide. We hide the difficulties. We hide the challenges, the struggles. What Paul is pointing to here is, he's saying, these are so often the parts of life that God really uses. Where God does his best work. This is a lesson Paul teaches again and again. We see it here in Philippians. We see it also in 2 Corinthians in several places. Uh, 12, 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That's why I take pleasure. Pleasure what? In my weaknesses. In the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then, Paul says, I'm strong. And he says that because those are the moments when God is really stepping into the picture. Those are the moments God is using me. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, we now have this light shining in our hearts This light shining in our hearts. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Fragile clay jars. Again, he's not puffing himself up. He's talking about being a fragile jar. A fragile jar containing this great treasure. And he says, this makes it clear. Our great power, anything we accomplish is from God, not from ourselves. so easy. It's so easy to feel abandoned in our times of trouble. It's so easy uh, when things aren't going the way that we want them to go to focus exclusively on that. But Paul, Paul says, I rejoice in these times. I rejoice in these times because this is when I see God at work. This week, one of the challenges we should take from these scriptures is how can I take some of that? How can I take some of Paul's perspective here that's so different than mine? I'm so easily focused on what's not going well. I'm so easily kind of in that negative bucket, but he's sticking his head up and he's saying, where's God at work? How can I take that perspective and apply it to my life? That should be something we're walking out of here today. It's a question we should be asking in our minds, in our hearts. Third thing I think we can learn from our text today is this. Paul looked beyond. 
He looked beyond what was happening to him. He looked beyond his chains and the bars on the wall. He was looking for ways God was at work in him and in others. And that brought him joy. As we talked about this last week, and uh, we talked about it this week as I was preparing, I was just thinking about how this becomes, this word joy becomes kind of this identified word with Paul, especially in the book of Philippians, and how it describes his life. I started thinking about the words that maybe describe my life, competitive, selfish, defeated at times. And I thought about that in contrast to uh, Paul's, you know, just depiction of this word joy. And I realized I haven't, I haven't faced near the persecution, near the difficulties that Paul is facing when he's writing these words. And yet he has this word that describes him of joy. I took that as a challenge took that as a challenge this week and in the coming weeks that I need to be more like Paul here and look beyond my circumstances, look beyond the difficulties, look beyond what I see is not going well in the moment and see God at work and find joy in that. I know that's what I'm going to be trying to do this week. Can I pray for you? Lord God, Paul's in prison and he's writing this letter to his friends in Philippi who are worried about him, God, but he says he's worried about you and the spread of the gospel, the spread of the good news. His focus, his priorities, they are impressive, the way he can push aside the circumstances, the difficulties in his life, the way he can uh, push aside his own kind of uncomfortableness, even those who are saying things against him, and in those moments just stand up and say, you know what, none of that matters, you are what matters. God, what we see in Paul today is courage and bravery. And God, we might not face the same kind of circumstances that Paul is facing. But as I look at my life, and I'm willing to bet as people in this room, they look at their lives, there are places where we need to have courage and strength. There are hardships and difficulties, things not going the way that we would prefer them to go. And for so long, we've kind of been focused in on the negative and we haven't popped our head up like Paul does so well and said, okay, God, where are you moving? Where are you working? Help me to see that. taking joy from that. Help us this week, God. 
have courage and strength. Help us to be inspired by Paul's example. Help us to trust in you more, to look for you at work when things are going the way we would like. In your name we pray. Amen.